The Godcast you're about to listen to is being rebroadcast. Enjoy and stay blessed. This is a History with God Ministries Godcast Network featuring Frank and Christina Sasso. Visit us online at ahistorywithgod.com for articles, links, prophetic words, prayer requests, and other awesome resources. Be sure to join our mailing list to receive your free daily devotion right in your email every morning. They are sure to comfort, inspire, teach, and even challenge you in your walk with the Lord. And now, let's join the host of this Godcast, Frank Sasso. Hello everybody, this is Frank from A History with God Ministries, welcoming all of our partners, our friends, our members, and any first-time listeners just tuning in. We hope you enjoy this Godcast today. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about friendship. You know, we had a meeting at our home a few weeks ago, and I asked the group if there was anything in their life that they felt that they could do on their own, that they could accomplish on their own. And the follow-up to that was that if you have something in your life that you can fulfill yourself, then you need to ask God for a bigger mission, okay? So if we're going to do things together, then there are some things that you would have to know about, I would think, friendship. I just want to share this concept of friends with everybody just as sort of a, uh, a foundation to future Godcasts that we're going to be doing that involve coming together as the body of Christ and winning this world for Jesus. The concept of friends. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 through 12. Verses 9 through 12 say, Two are better than one because they have a good, more satisfying reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, then they have warmth. But how can one be warm alone? And though a man might prevail against him who is alone, two will withstand it. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So as men and women of God... There are some really important things to consider, like I said, before making, keeping, or ending certain quote-unquote friendships in your life. There are some relationships that you have currently that you need to resolve and and also that you need to dissolve. I'm going to share with you some key points that a true friend will exemplify. These four verses in Ecclesiastes, let's start with verse 9. Verse 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good, more satisfying reward for their labor. Okay, so first of all, number one, friends, partner. That's an awesome thing. When you have a friend, a true friend, they will partner with you. Next verse, verse 10. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Secondly, friends pick up. Friends don't beat you when you're down. Friends will pick you up. Verse 11. Again, if two lie together... Then they have warmth. But how can one be warm alone? Now, this verse is not justifying sleeping together. So don't, I can always hear someone say, oh, oh, wow. No, it's not justifying sleeping together. It means that friends will help you through hard times. So thirdly, friends persevere. Friends partner, friends pick up, friends persevere. 
They may not always have the answer or the money, but they will be there to help you through hard times. It's much easier to go through something with somebody than to go through it yourself. Amen? Verse 12. Verse 12 says, And though a man might prevail against him who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So finally, what's that saying to me? Friends protect. So there are the four characteristics concerning friendships to help you, uh, you know, evaluate how to rate the relationships you currently have. Number one, friends partner. Number two, friends pick up. Number three, friends persevere. And number four, friends protect. Now, I want to share some things with you that will actually break friendships up. So here are some things not to do. It says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, He who covers and forgives an offense seeks love. But he who repeats or harps on a matter separates even close friends. So, you know, this thing happened and now your friend just doesn't want to let it go. I wouldn't that bug you? Someone just harping on a matter and just not letting it go? I heard someone say once, he that digs up dead bones loses many friends. That's not in the Bible, but it is very wise. He that digs up dead bones loses many friends. Listen, you don't want to be associated with somebody, with anybody, who is just constantly digging up your dead bones. Like every time you look around, there they are bringing up stuff from the past. You could lose a good friend by just standing on the same old matter and digging up dead bones. I mean, imagine this. All right, check this out. You go into prayer. And the only thing God's talking to you about is your past sins. All the time. There's God just telling you in prayer, you know, you're just good for nothing. What you did 20 years ago, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. All the angels saw you, so you can't lie about it. And we wrote it all down, so we know what you did. And you did it 5,467 more times after you said you'd never do it again. So then you finish praying and someone says to you, whoa, what's wrong with you? And then you could then say, you know, well, God just spent the last hour hopping on all my sins, you know. That's why I'm glad I have the friends I have, because we don't harp on each other's sins. I mean, we we hold each other accountable, and we're all vulnerable to each other. But we talk about the righteousness of God, and how God has cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, and how he remembers them no more, and we just go on with our lives and build his kingdom. That's why Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than any brother. He's not digging up dead bones, constantly reminding you of what he's delivered you out of. So that's one way a friendship really can be destroyed. I mean, another way is what it says in Proverbs sixteen twenty eight: A perverse man sows strife, and a gossiper separates even close friends. So this guy will stir up dissension. I mean, he'll stir up a spirit of non-unity. He's always using you or someone else to call and stir up strife and gossip about somebody. Here's a revelation I had. If someone is telling you something about somebody, what are they saying about you when you're not around? All right, so I gave you four key points that a true friend will exemplify. Now here's four things to look for in a friend. Number one, a friend will comfort and support you. Think about the last time you were in trouble. Who showed up? Who were the ones that comforted and supported you? People can come up with all kinds of excuses why they didn't call or visit you or why they didn't do or couldn't do certain things, but a true friend will comfort and support you. In Job chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Now when Job's three friends heard all this evil that was coming upon Job, they came each one from his own place. Now that's a friend. They were ready to comfort and support Job. Then the verse goes on to say, For they had made an appointment together to come to console with him and to comfort him. Him meaning Job. And not because we're Christians should we be willing to do this. It's, it's, it's because this is what friends will do. 
I don't want to assume that you know how to carry yourself as a friend. If you're a friend, then when your friends go through something, it's important for you as a friend to comfort and support them. It doesn't take long to provide some comfort and support. We see Job's friends doing it, and as a friend, you be willing to do it. Cool? Okay. Number two, second thing to look for in a friend. A friend is devoted to you, or what I like to say, crazy loyal. That's what I mean when I say devoted, crazy loyal. We use that word a lot, but I don't think we really understand what it means, because to be loyal means that you are willing to change your plans to meet the needs of the person you're being loyal to. A friend who's loyal says, I will lay my interests down so that I can provide the comfort and support that's needed for the one that's going through something. Loyalty is a big word. It can't just be demonstrated by you saying, I'm loyal. It's demonstrated by the decisions you make and by your willingness to rearrange your plans in order to meet the needs of the person you're loyal to. Let's jump back to Job. Job chapter 6, verse 14. To him who is about to faint and despair, kindness is due from his friend. Least he forsake the fear of the Almighty. The fear of the Lord is to respect God with the willingness to obey. It's amazing here when he says that when you have a friend that's about to faint and go into despair, that kindness is due from you as a friend. Kindness is due from you as a friend to that person. And when you show kindness, you show honor and respect to God. My relationship with God is based on my relationship with you, my friend. I can't say that I love God in whom I've never seen and say I don't love you, my brother or sister, in whom I see every day or week. And neither can you. When you have somebody that you're in a relationship with and they're about to faint, kindness is now due from the person who's the friend. And if you don't do this, you're going against the fear of the Almighty. So out of respect to God, as we operate in friendship, notice that when your friends are about to faint, give up, cave in, break down and quit. Kindness is due when you see that. You can minister to God when you minister to your friend. When you show friendship to someone, you are also showing it to God. That's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. Third thing to look for in a friend. A friend loves you no matter what the situation and no matter what you've done. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. People really don't understand what real friendship is all about. It's being there no matter what the situation and no matter what you did. The very same standards you put me on and expect from me, I expect from you. The very same thing you would expect from me and Christina, we would expect from you. We're not going to leave you. We don't care what you did. I don't care what you did. We're not going to quit on you. We're not going to leave. Jesus didn't quit on me, so I'm not quitting on you. The only thing all of us should quit doing really is shooting our wounded. Most of the time when people fall, it's because they're babies. We actually had someone say to us once, I don't care if you ever murdered anyone. I'll always be your friend. And then, poof, they're gone. But, hey, that's what babies do. Babies fall. All right, the last thing to look for in a friend. Friends speak constructively, not critically, even when it hurts. i got to say, the body of Christ has perfected phoniness. We're surrounded by people who know how to be phony. The body needs some people who will look at each other in the eyes and be honest, not hurtful, honest with each other. Be straight with each other. Stop looking for someone who's going to kiss you. Kisses are from an enemy. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are lavish and deceitful. Aren't you tired of phony people? Oh, I am so tired of phony people. Aren't you ready to see some real, genuine people who are real and, and don't cover up their issues with all their spirituality and act all fake and spooky around you? Can't even get a decent, hey, how you doing? It just doesn't happen. We get greeted at church, you know, by somebody, hey, praise the Lord, this is the day the Lord has made, yay. 
And meanwhile, they're seething with unforgiveness. They've been carrying oughts they've been carrying for the last 20 years. The body needs people that can look you in the face and say, Brother, I love you, but here's your problem. You're a terrible husband and you're a hypocrite, and here's why. Wow. That's a friend. It is. I'm not being sarcastic. That's a friend. I might be wounded, but you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to call you friend. I'm going to share, share something with you. The other night, my wife and I were going to a meeting, and on the way there, I blew a stop sign. Now, okay, you know, sometimes that happens, you blow a stop sign. But here's the thing. I, I did that so many times that it started to really upset my wife. So as not to upset her and to really want to fix this, I said to her, I promise I will not go through the stop signs. I'll make sure, I promise I will stop at every stop sign from now on. Whether you're in the car or not, check this out. The other night, I go right through the stop sign. Now, Christina wasn't going to tell me, hey, there's a stop sign coming up. Why? Because I promised I'd stop at them. But check this out. I blew right through it, and she got upset. She didn't get upset because I passed the stop sign. She got upset because I promised I wouldn't do that anymore. How does this relate to what I'm talking about? Well, we got to the meeting. She was very upset. I went up to my men, and I said, guys, here's the deal. My wife's very upset with me right now. She wasn't in the meeting at this point during this part of it. So I'm talking to Pastor Allen and Tim and Jason and Josh. And I told him, yeah, I promised I, would do that. I wouldn't do that anymore. And, hey, can we pray? Blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> And Pastor Allen says to me, well, Frank, you were trying to do that in your own strength. And Tim reminded me that, you know, you, you promised her you would have the bathroom ready in time for Christmas. And you were able to do that because you realized that was too big for you to do. You relied on the Holy Spirit to help you and you got it done. But by you trying to white knuckle it, by you trying to fulfill that promise to her as simple as stopping at a stop sign. I know it sounds silly, but you know what? Let's get some of your stuff. I'm sure your stuff is just as silly as mine. My point is they got up in my face. They weren't worried that they were going to offend me. Why? Because we have a real friendship. And I know I can feel just as comfortable to get up in their face about stuff. But at the end of the day, we look at each other and we go, wow, this is a real friendship. You know, Christina was on the phone with her friend Albina. And she said, you know what, Albina, it really hurts me when you do such and such. And, and after Christina told her that, Albina thanked Christina for being courageous enough to risk wounding her. You know, she thanked Christina for being her friend. And a few hours passed, and Christina got, Albina called her up again to thank her again for being straight with her. It actually strengthened their friendship. And I know Albina wouldn't even mind me mentioning her name on this because of the friendship she has with Christina. Things have to be rearranged a little bit, gang. You've been angry at the wrong people. Those people that God sent to you to be a part of your life, you don't want them because you're so busy trying to protect your own position, whatever that may be. If, let me tell you something. If you're trying to protect a position in your friendship, you're probably wrong. So whatever your position is, man, you know, really, give it up. You're more comfortable hiding behind phonies and you're not growing. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's okay for someone to constantly tell you what's wrong with you and harp on matters and never shut up about it. I'm not saying it's okay for a friend, quote-unquote, to continually demean you, make you feel like you're not worthy, that you'll never change. That never offers any hope whatsoever. So, no, that's not what I mean. That kind of thing is just not called for. It's just plain wrong. Don't be a doormat. I mean, I know this sounds harsh, but faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the wounds that I described, okay? So I have come to this conclusion, though. Friendships will fail without Jesus as the center friend. In every friendship you have, you have to make sure that Jesus is the center friend. Sometimes when I'm on the phone with my friend Keith Axum, who's on the podcast last week, we are constantly aware of the fact that Jesus is on the extension being a major part of our friendship. He sometimes even lends his voice to the conversation. So no matter what the relationship is, a marriage, a friendship, between the two of you, 
there's Jesus. And you have to have more loyalty to him and keeping up with his standards than anyone else. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, stay blessed. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast from A History with God Ministries. This teaching is a powerful ministry tool that you can use to experience the power of God in your life. Thank you again for listening and for helping us reach the world with the love of Jesus. Sign up for your free daily devotion today at ahistorywithgod.com and click on Contact. Type in your name and email address and you'll be all set. A History with God Ministries. Seeing, Hearing, Remembering. Mark chapter 8 verse 18. Until next time, stay in the blessings.